Hi everybody, this is Jeremy. My wife Candace and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. Today, I have a very challenging message from the Lord. And honestly, it's the 4th of July weekend. Everybody's having a good time, hopefully you know, you, you had you blew up some fireworks and you had some watermelon and all the stuff that you do on the 4th of July. But this morning, instead of instead of just kind of a lighthearted uh, message that I had planned, I, I really felt that the Lord was pointing me towards something a little more challenging. I had kind of something else kind of cooking, you know, simmering on the back burner, but uh, the Lord started really dealing with me about the, the great divide that's happening in our society. And even after I started writing, uh, I started talking with, with some other pastors and leaders, and they're feeling the same thing. And then and even just this morning, I learned about the, the whole thing out in California where you can't sing in church anymore. Uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And this isn't political. Uh, it's more prophetic about the divide that's happening in our society and what uh, kind of how it's all going to play out in the coming weeks and months but we're so divided right now and it's not the way that you would think it's not it's, so when we talk about division in our country uh, people run to the obvious places we, we we think about racial division right and but <laughs> But the fact is that we're all humans, and what I'm talking about has nothing to do with skin color or culture or anything like that. Right? It's not socioeconomic. It's none of the things that we would normally think of as division. It has nothing to do with your 401k, your investments, the cash in your wallet. Nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with Democrat or Republican, by the way. Because this isn't, this isn't political. Right? And, and the truth is that, uh, that, that there are... Um, there's no Christian political party, right? There's not a brand that's associated to either Democrat or Republican that has to do with the heart. Now, there are people that, that either serve God or not in both parties, right? It's not a political divide that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a divide that cannot be reconciled. We can reconcile the, the, the racial division. We, we, can, we can reconcile that through love and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can reconcile some of the socioeconomic stuff. We, we can reconcile Democrat, Republican. We can come together and make good decisions and, and lead the country. We can do those things. But this division I'm talking about this morning cannot, cannot be overcome. And it's the division that exists between those who, dis, who serve Creator God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and those that do not. That division exists and it cannot be erased. Thankfully, because of the cross, we, through our free will, can go from one side to the other. You can traverse it by your choices, by your free will to accept Jesus and His sacrifice. You can go to the other side, but, but you cannot heal that division. And I'll tell you this, that in these last days, that that division is getting deeper and wider. And both sides are digging in and fortifying. 
Not only are we faced with a division in between, but we're faced with a set of walls on both sides. You know, it used to be that Christianity was a subset of our culture, and now more than ever it's becoming counterculture. What we're seeing is that not only is the church rejecting the patterns and praises of this world, but the world is rejecting the message and the morality of the church. So we just finished the For the Record series where we kind of looked at some scriptures that, that are a little bit shocking when you get into the context of it. Well, here's another one that's a little bit shocking. Jesus said some shocking things, right? And, and we all want to, to think about Jesus as you know, being humble and lowly. That was part of his character, you know, leave the 99, go after the one. And, and, and we all love the, the passages of Scripture like Matthew 11, 28, 29 says, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we love that, and we get to experience that, and we experienced it this morning. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And that's incredible. And we get to live in the power of that. But the truth of the matter is that when it came time for a decision point, when it came time for, for, for people to stop just following Jesus around to get a free meal, but he said some things that were pretty harsh, pretty shocking. I believe that if we look at Luke chapter number 12, we're going to see Jesus in a different light. And we're going to see the division that he spoke over us. And how it relates to what's happening right now in our culture. And what's coming to America, especially in the last days, is the focus begins to shift more and more to Israel. Harsh statement of Jesus. Luke chapter number 12, beginning in verse 49. Jesus speaking, he says, I have come to bring a fire on the earth. I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism I have to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it's complete. Do you think that I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. You say, what? Jesus, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're supposed to be walking around in a flowing robe with this awesome beard, and you've got a lamb on your shoulders, and, and, and you're hanging out with kids, and you're eating with sinners. All those things are true, right? Jesus is so tender, and he goes to, to whoever, whosoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, but there comes a point where when you know the truth, then the division is set between those that accept the truth, that, that follow Jesus wholeheartedly, and those that don't. One time, he had a multitude around him, and he was teaching and preaching, but he was also giving out free chicken nuggets. Not really. But he was giving out free meals, right? And he was healing the lame and doing so many things, and eventually he turns around and says, Guys, you're either going to have to be with me or against me. You're either going to have to eat my flesh, drink my blood, my blood, take this cup, take up your cross and follow me, or you've got to leave me alone. There was a clear division. He says, verse, verse 52, he says, From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. When, you, when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, 
How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? The truth, ladies and gentlemen, this morning is that the division is now and the division is increasing at an increasing rate. And we know what's up because we can determine the times and the seasons. We can determine and see what's happening. We can discern what's happening at this present time. And the division is going to cut through families. It's going to cut through businesses. It's going to cut through our nation. And the truth of the matter is that it's going to result in a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. It's going to feed offense and it's going to shape this generation. And honestly, I believe that it's going to usher in maybe even, even the end of the age. But it's a division that exists that Jesus said was coming and that it must take place in order to see the prophecies fulfilled. On a, on a big scale, when we take a step back, so, so on, when we look at the, the details of it, right, we can become overwhelmed to think about living in a world that is, that is so divided between, between those that follow Jesus and those that don't. When we think about that, we become overwhelmed. But there's a couple of things I want to point out that division does. And this brings us hope. It brings us peace. And it lets us understand what is happening must take place. The first thing is that division sets up a visible line. It sets up a visible line between, between God's people and, and those that don't serve Him. The division that's happening in our society right now, that's around the world, it sets up a, a visible line that was blurred for generations. For generations, guys, our society had some kind of homogenous facade of righteousness. It was trendy to go to church, Right? It was expected that you knew the Bible, that you, that you dressed moderately, that you honored your father and your mother. But that didn't mean that society was pure before God. And the deeper you dive into history, right, even some of the people that, that we set up as heroes of our nation, the deeper you dive into it, the more you see that, you know what, people were messed up. People were messed up. You see that the nature of humanity, the, the, greed, the greed, the lust, the prejudice, and all, all the things that we face today, they faced back then. But they had this facade of everybody being righteous. But then our society began to change, and we went from this homogenous mix of people that tried to look like we were, had it all together and that we served God, and, and, then, and then the sides began to start separating the righteous, from the people that, that willingly walked away from the truth of the Word of God. And, and it was kind of like, and so when I was a kid, we had this stuff called GAC. I don't know if you guys remember GAC at all. Uh, probably not. You guys are looking at me a little funny. Okay, so I'm old. But, but it, was, it was like slime, right? And, and parents hated it because it would leave this greasy film on everything. But it, but it was kind of fun to play with. So think about it as like really liquid Play-Doh, right? And, and, and you could kind of you'd stretch it and it kind of flow. Then there came a point where as you stretched it, eventually it would tear, right? You, you could kind of pull it apart, pull it apart, and then all of a sudden when, it, when, the, when the stresses on it were, were too much, when the tension was too high, it just ripped right down the middle. And that's exactly what has happened in our society. There is now a break. For so long we were just this one kind of thing, but we had inside of us these two different opinions. And, and, and slowly, 
the church and the world started drifting apart and being separated. And now, all of a sudden, the tension was too high. And now there is this divide. And what it means, ladies and gentlemen, is that we can't ride the fence anymore. Because the world won't let us. For years, for generations, the preachers have been saying, you got to come out, you got to be separate from the world. The church has to be different from the world. And now, you know what? The church, the world is saying, no, you got to be separate from us. We've stretched it so far. There's a division and it cannot be reconciled. James 4, 4 says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And that's so true. And preachers have preached that and preached that and preached that and preached that. But I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, now the world has enmity with the church. The same groups that preach tolerance and coexistence will bully us, the church, into agreeing with their agendas unless we consciously stand against it. The church is being bullied a little bit because the world doesn't want us. Previous generations of preachers have, have, have spit and snort and preached so many sermons trying to get the church out of the world. But now, you know what? It's mutual. And the world is saying, you know what? If you can't accept the things that you say uh, are, are sinful, then we don't want you here. And they're going down a slippery slope. So if you don't agree with, with, with abortion, then... We don't want you here. If you don't agree with, with homosexuality and love is love and all of that, then we don't want you here. You know, I saw this week on the news that Massachusetts, there's a town in Massachusetts that, that recognizes polygamous relationships now, right? Because they started going down the wormhole and now they can't get out of it. The slippery slope. And the world and the church are now polar opposites. And I'll tell you this, guys. The world doesn't want us. The world doesn't want people to stand up for truth. The line is drawn. It's a visible line. And I tell you what, on the upside, hypocrisy is decreasing, right? Because, because you can't be a hypocrite anymore. You've got to dig your heels in. Because on the downside, the divide is getting larger. So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Well, first, choose a side that you're on. I think if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, this is like, this is 4th of July weekend, so you've probably chosen which side you're on. And then you've got to dig your heels in, and then you've got to war for those that are on, this, on the other side of the line. Because I tell you what, this is a five-alarm rescue situation here. This is, so Jude uh, 22 and 23 says, Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, there is such a division right now. We've got to feel the fire to, to be able to pray like never before because we've got to literally snatch people out of the fire. They're fortified on their side. We've got to be fortified on our side. There's a division in between a great gulf, a chasm. There's nothing that can... can but, but Jesus makes it possible to cross over, and so we've got to go to war for them. 
spiritual problems have spiritual solutions, and we've got to pray that they are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we've got to preach the word and not back down. And for the love of everything holy, we cannot compromise. We cannot compromise our position. We've got a purpose in our heart. That you know what? And it's coming a day, and it's true. It may cost you your job. There's a new social media policy that was just put out at my place of employment. And basically said if you say anything that's offensive, that, that you, can, you can be in trouble with HR up to and including termination. And the example that was given when this was rolled out is, well, you know, you can't really say anything against homosexuality. Now, homosexuality is not the issue. Sin is the issue, right? So we're not going like, to get stuck on calling out one group when the truth is that there's plenty of things that we can talk about. We can talk about obesity and gluttony, and we can talk about adultery, we can talk about pornography, we can keep talking, so we're not going to... But, but I'm saying that was the example that was given. And there may come a time, literally, me, this, is, this is like Arkansas, this is Bible Belt. I may have to choose between standing for what the Bible says and my job. That's, that's what we're going to be faced with. So I'm telling you guys, you got to pray because you got to snatch people out of the fire. you got to preach and you got to determine in your heart that even if you got to lose some friends, even if you got to lose a job, that there is a division that we will not compromise. There's a dividing line. Division brings a visible line. Secondly, though, this is good news. Division brings unity in the church. Division brings unity in the church. Just like, just like it separates the church from the world, it seems a little bit strange to say, but, but you know what? We're never more united than when we stand against the common enemy. The enemy, my enemy, is my friend. <laughs> You're never more united than when you stand against the common enemy. When you, when you look through history, you, you find people that created a, a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, during times of battle that, that, that no one else can understand. Yeah, I, look, I, I watch a lot of history videos, and we see that, that, that people that participated in like the Doolittle Raids right after the attacks on Pearl Harbor, right? They, they flew the, the, I think their B-24s off the, the aircraft carriers and bombed Japan and then land, crash-landed in China. And those people would still get together until they all died. The survivors of Pearl Harbor, the, the, the battles that, that cemented them together and something that no one could, could understand. You know, kind of a, a lesser degree, maybe there's the sports teams, right? If you go and you, you, you play together and you stand against the other team together, then you form a bond that can't be broken. The 13 original colon, colonies were incredibly independent, didn't really want to anything to do with each other. They had, they had their own governments. They were set up to be independent states until they became the United States, standing against a common enemy. And ladies and gentlemen, what I'm seeing in this division is that it's going to bring unity in the church. Because the church has spent too long in superficial division. And all the ancillary doctrines that are not a matter of salvation, of methodology and culture. When I was growing up, there, was like, there were literally church splits over deciding whether we're going to sing hymns or courses. Literally church splits. When, when, we, were, when we were young and, and stupid... And now we're just not young. But when we were young in, in ministry, we, we, um, in our first youth group, uh, we turned all the lights off 
in the little youth room that we were meeting in and had some like spotlights and tried to make it cool and stuff. And you would have thought that we were like praying to Satan. Like it was a thing. Like it was. And so we're like, okay, well, we won't do that. It was just the culture. Right? Nothing wrong with the way that they wanted to do church. Nothing wrong with the way we wanted to do church. It was just preference. And what we're going to have to figure out how to do is that the young and hip people need to figure out how to worship in spirit and truth singing hymns. Right? And older people with bobby pins have to figure out how, how to let the Holy Spirit flow through fog machines. Because what we're going to see here in these last days is that, that it matters so much less about the comforts of our flesh as it does that we have a personal white-hot relationship with Jesus Christ. And even if we don't like each other's styles, and even if we le- read different versions of the Bible, right? It's the same words, the same message. We find ourselves on the same team. Because right now we're facing an unprecedented enemy. And I'm not talking about COVID-19, right? There's been other pandemics, right? The Black Death in the 1300s killed 60% of Europeans, right? We've been through pandemics before. That's not unprecedented, right? Financial meltdowns, we've been through those before. The Great Depression, the Great Recession, right? Uh, 07, 08, Zimbabwe, right? They had hyperinflation. The prices doubled in 24 hours. We've been through that before. But what we haven't been through what, this, what our human race has not been through before is the spirit of Antichrist that is so strong right now. What is the spirit of Antichrist? John tells us, 1 John 4, 3, says, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. Many deceivers, have, and then 2 John 1, 7 says, Many deceivers have gone into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Ladies and gentlemen, the spirit of the Antichrist has been at work from the beginning. But right now, we're seeing it in overdrive. Right now, we're seeing the fallout of secular humanism. And eyes are blinded like never before. And we can read the the Romans chapter number 1 and we can see kind of how we got here. And we can see where we're going. And we understand that we're living in a world that invents ways to sin. And we're living in a world that adamantly calls what's good evil and what's evil good. And we're living in a world that accepts everything except the church. We're living in a time where we, the church, the big C church cannot afford to be at odds with one another because we're fighting an enemy that's unprecedented so now we have to have some unity we've got to pray and speak blessings over churches and god's people i'm not saying we all have to go to one church i'm not saying that we all have to change our preferences to to whatever but i am saying that we have to lay aside superficial differences and unite around fundamental truth and let the big c church stand together We've got to pray for churches and bless pastors and leaders. And you know what? I'm completely, I'm completely guilty here. I pray for the Ridge Park Hill. I pray for the Ridge Sherwood. I pray for Mesquite. I'll pray for some other churches where I have friends and pastors. But the truth of the matter is, and this is on me, that Park Hill Baptist is right down here. And it's a huge church. And I, I can believe that they've got lots of influence. But I don't pray for them. There's a Lutheran church literally right here, and I haven't prayed for them. 
But that's got to change. That's got to stop. Because if we are on the same team, I'm telling you, there is going, there is a division and it's growing. Some of these churches that decide to follow the world, they're going to they're gonna completely go toward the world. Other th- others of these churches, they decide to really push in and follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. They're going to receive a great anointing. And I'm praying that these local churches right here in the same community we're trying to reach receive a greater anointing. That they're able to go higher and deeper in the presence of God. And suddenly, wh- whether they sing old hymns and play an organ or whether they're, they're all new and modern, it doesn't matter. What matters is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the convicting power of God. And we've got to get on the same team. We've got to pray for other churches. We've got to pray that they're going to have an anointing because there's a division coming and it's increasing. It's a visible line, but it's going to drive unity in the church. And last but not least, it's going to create a statistical difference. A statistical difference. See, One of the great things about a division line, one of the great things about forming your team, is that now it's easy to see the difference between the church and the world. One of the things about saying, you know what, the world hates us, and we're not of the world. And this, this church, it's a big C church, it's not a little C church. One of the great things about it is now we can be a statistic. Because in order to show that there is a significant difference the, in statistics, they call it significant versus non-significant variables. The, the reason that they're able to do that, two reasons. One is that you have to have two groups inside of the same, uh, same variable, right? So you're either Christian or you're not, right? And you've got to have clear groups, right? Lots of data. So, so we're not talking about the Ridge Assembly because that's not a lot of data, Right? We're not talking about churches in North Little Rock because that's still not a lot of data. We're talking about the big C global worldwide church. If we get on the same page, now we can find a statistical difference. And the world can look at us, and they can hate us if they want to, but they cannot deny that we're going to be blessed. The world may hate us for what we stand for, but they will not be able to, de- to deny that we are blessed. That when calamity comes in our financial markets, that we still prosper, that God still takes care of us, that, that, that we are still protected against some of the junk that the world has to go through, and that even when we have to walk through it, that we're full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we demonstrate peace that they can't understand, and we have a joy that, that boggles their minds. And there's a statistical difference. There's a huge division, and it'll be clear to see the church and not. Now, warning, warning, warning. Uh, the truth of the matter is that in the last days, there's going to be calamity come upon the earth, and it's going to be uh, in three arenas, right? It's going to be God's wrath, it's going to be Satan's schemes, and it's going to be human's choices, right? All three of those things. Now, here's some good news first. The Bible says that we're going to be protected against God's wrath, right? We will not suffer the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Genesis, we see Abraham. This is God's friend. Like This is like the founder of faith. right? We see Abraham negotiating for Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And this guy who know, who knew God better than anybody else at his time, who, who's, I mean, again, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's like the first one, right? He, God changes his name. He knows God. And he calls on his character in Genesis 18. He says, far be it from you. This is Abraham talking to God. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Uh, to put the righteous to death with the wicked. Far be it from you. If we can find some righteous people in the city, you won't destroy them. God know you. Far be it from you. The last part of that says, Shall not the judge of, the, of all the earth do what is just? And we believe that today. Now, there's coming on the earth the wrath of God. I believe that 100%. You can see that in the book of Revelation. But I'm fully convinced that that wrath will not be poured out on the church because far be it from the nature of God to, to punish the wicked and the righteous together. But that's not all that's going to happen. Not only, are we gonna, not only will the earth experience the wrath of God, but it'll also experience the scheme of Satan. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter number 5. It says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be saved from the wrath of God. We'll be delivered from the schemes of Satan. Now, deliverance sometimes means that you've got to walk through it. So deliverance may mean that, you know what, we may have to face some stuff. We may have to walk through it and suffer for a little while. It's what it said here in 1 Peter. But in the end, we will not be defeated. And God's going to come through. But when it comes to the last one, right, human actions, we might be delivered, but no promises. Because the truth of the matter is that choices have consequences. And most of the time, God won't interfere with the natural laws of cause and effect. And I'll tell you this, the world is crazy and it's about to get crazier. And it's got to be time for us, the church, to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know how to avoid circumstances and situations. I'm telling you guys, we have this ability. And there's going to be, with this, there's going to be a statistical difference to say, I am praying, I am praying that, that there is a statistical difference between people that are God's people and those that are not who even get COVID-19. Now, do Christians get the, the virus? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm going to believe that, that as we become more in tune with the Holy Spirit, that there's going to be a difference. And that God's people are truly going to be protected from it. I believe that, that we're going to walk in such awareness of the Holy Ghost that when you stop to get out to go into the Dollar General to get a, a pack of like flaming Hot Cheetos or something, the Holy Spirit says, stop! Wait a few minutes or go to the one down the road. Because in there, there's something waiting for you. In there, there's a sickness waiting for you. We've got to be in tune with the Holy Ghost that way. We've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to, to know where to invest our money. Because I believe, honestly, I believe that the financial crisis is about to come. And we've got to know what to invest in. Because at the same time that the world goes downhill, the church has got to go uphill. Because we've got to fund revival around the world. 
But we've got to be in tune with the Holy Ghost to know that. And there will be a statistical difference between those suffering with nothing and the church that has blessing and blessing and blessing because we're able to hear what the Holy Spirit says right now. We're going to be able to, to handle conflict because we're going to be able to hear what the Holy Spirit says. We're going to be able to know when to preach and how to preach and who to preach to because we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, there's going to be such a difference between the world and the church that no one is going to be able to deny the power of God. They may not want to believe it, right? Because just because knowing something is true doesn't mean that you accept it. So I am fully convinced that not everybody will be saved, even though it's God's will for none to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I'm fully convinced that not everybody will find salvation. Jesus said, narrow is the road. Straight and narrow. Narrow is the gate. Not everybody is going to find that. But I'm also fully convinced that there will not be a denial of the difference between the world and the church, and that will set up a conversation where truth is presented, and they can choose to cross over the divide or not. This is unprecedented, the division that's happening between the world and the church. So what do we got to do? What do we have to do? We've got to make up our minds. We've got to dig in. We've got to get on the same team, on the same page with the big C church. We've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because we're going to be blessed through this. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast. Also, follow us on social media at The Ridge Assembly PH on Facebook and Instagram. If you live in the central Arkansas area, we certainly invite you to be part of our live community. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at the Old Park Hill Elementary Building. That's at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.